salvation he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. of you here tonight. Uh, how many of you were able to get a little bit of bite to eat this evening? And so thankful for our people putting that together for you. And uh, if you see any of them, uh, t do me a favor and tell them thank you. Uh, definitely was a blessing. But good to see each of you here tonight. And I know it took time and you had to carve some uh, time out of your schedule to be here. Uh, but I sure appreciate it. So thankful. Uh, as we think about our nation uh, we, we have got to do something different because being unengaged in our government has not worked. And I am all for winning as many people to Christ as we can, but we've got to get voices in the capitals. And so, so thankful for you being here and, and uh, doing what you can. And I pray that all of us will be challenged to do more. And to make a difference. Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless this evening. And Father, I do thank you for each and every person that's here. And Lord, may you be glorified uh, by everything that is done. And Lord, we love this country. And Lord, we love this state. You have placed us here uh, for such a time as this. And I do pray that you would help us uh, to do what we can. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And so I pray that you would use us, give us insight, wisdom, may the Spirit of God move tonight, and just lead us in a very special way, uh, help us to have some enlightenment in uh, what we can do, and may you lead us, please, for Christ's sake we pray, amen. You can be seated, and tonight we have the blessing of being able to host the California Connection, and I'm so thankful for those that have been involved with this. Uh, Brother Cranston and uh, all of the men that uh, have really uh, ran with, with this to make it a, a reality. And I know that uh, I am not too far from the Capitol, uh, but uh, uh, I have not given as much time as I should give uh, to the Capitol and to the, to the representatives. And so uh, I pray that all of us will just uh, look in our own hearts tonight to see what we can do. Uh, to do more to try to reach this state uh, because it it is uh, praise the Lord we've got some wonderful churches and there are people being saved uh, but uh, we can see with our government and the direction that it's going uh, 
that we've got to we've got to have a better influence uh, down at the Capitol. And then, real quick, while you are here, preachers, uh, right back here in the back, Brother Brian Hubbard, uh, he is with Seedline Ministry, uh, Ministry of the Bearing Precious Seed uh, in Milford, Ohio, and he has been uh, he has been working right out of our ministry here uh, as uh, uh, just a base. And we've got a warehouse back here that's filled with scripture. And uh, he has a ministry to go to churches and have them help assemble uh, John and Romans and uh, getting those scriptures to the foreign field. And there's something about uh, getting your people to be engaged in putting God's word together. And it is a special ministry. And if you have never done that, let me encourage you to consider it. Uh, go down uh, at the end of the service, talk to Brother Brian, and it would be a blessing. How many of you have done a seed line project in your church? All right. Uh, and it definitely is, is a blessing. And your people have a, an opportunity to be able to assemble uh, God's word and get it to the, to the field. And so I know there's many churches. Uh, Brother Garcia, they just finished a project this last week. And so... Uh, anyway, I know that that would be a help, a blessing, uh, a great, a great ministry, uh, mission-minded, uh, and assembling God's word. So I know that that will be a blessing. So uh, go meet Brother Brian uh, Hubbard back here in the back if you get a chance. All right, let's see, Brother Francis, you come. Thank you, Brother Brown, and good to be with you. And appreciate you coming tonight. It does mean a lot to us. I know it means a lot to the other pastors who are. Uh, working down at the Capitol, Brother Campbell, and uh, and we're going to have, we have a good lineup for you tonight. We've got a few things we want to take care of. First, we want to take a moment and just introduce uh, the pastors who are here, full-time, those in full-time ministry, or if you're representing a ministry. In some cases, uh, the pastor couldn't make it, but you're here uh, representing a ministry uh, in the state, then we want to take a moment, like for you to just uh, stand and give us your name. So why don't we have, uh, why don't you just go ahead and stand up. If you're here, there's a pastor, assistant pastor, full-time ministry, or representing a ministry, uh, stand, and then we'll start over here on the right. Just give us your name and uh, and the church and, and the city where you're serving. Yes, sir. Start right down here. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. That's probably the furthest south, down National City, and the good work down there. I had the privilege of being there a while back, and uh, appreciate you making that trip. And all those, especially those who came from the southern half of the state, uh, making a long trip uh, to be here. So a few things, housekeeping things. First of all, make sure you get one of these little booklets in the back if you're going to be with us tomorrow, if you're going to be at the Capitol. Uh, this has uh, information in it. Uh, that can be helpful in making visits. It also has the schedule in it and all the addresses. And let me make one clarification on the addresses before uh, I forget to do that. The capital parking, the address that I have for the capital parking, Brother Campbell has informed me, is the exit to the capital parking ramp. The entrance is the other side of the building. So when you get here, when your GPS takes you here, just drive around the block and look for the entrance, all right? And you'll, and you'll find it. You'll be, you'll be close, amen? And close is good. And so uh, that is the exit at the address is the exit of the parking ramp. That will put you close to the Capitol, five or 10 minutes away. And that's a reasonable uh, parking fee there. And uh, we put that in an email. Then there is a picture of the side of the Capitol. The reason I gave you that isn't just because, oh, that's a nice picture of the Capitol. That's the side where we're supposed to meet at 9 o'clock in the morning. So if you get to the Capitol and it doesn't look like that, you're on the wrong side, all right? So, so, uh, so that's, what, that's why I gave you that picture. And then, uh, then at uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to meet at 9 and uh, at the Capitol on the steps. Then we're going to go to the offices to visit legislators. And how many have visited legislators? You've been in the offices before over the years, all right? Unless you've been up there recently, all of that has changed. California is in such financial situation, they can remodel their entire capital. And you didn't know that. So the capital, that, as you know it, if you've been there in past years, that is essentially all shut down. And your tax dollars have built a brand new office building that is about a block, how far, two blocks away, Brandon? A block and a half, we'll tell you, we'll show you where that is, we'll point you in the right direction, and all the offices are over there. So we will not act, we'll meet at the steps, we won't actually be in the Capitol building, ourselves we'll go to the offices where the legislators are, and then around uh, noon or so, you'll want to head uh, south down to Downtown Baptist Church. And I do have a picture of the entrance to the parking lot here. <laughs> and so, uh, so I got the right picture on that one. But it's an office building, beautiful auditorium inside. And uh, the hedgers have been working very hard to prepare a meal for us. And, uh, and we'll take care of that uh, meal at no cost, so uh, free lunch. And then we'll take some testimonies from 1230 to 130. We'll have the meal. We'll have testimonies. And then we will be through. Uh, at 1.30 tomorrow afternoon. So that gives you a quick uh, rundown, and all of those addresses are here. My phone number is somewhere in here as well. If you have questions, uh, you can give me a call, or if you have one of these other fellows' phone numbers, Brother Brandon's, uh, you can call him. But I think that should spell it all out for you. And so, uh, so if you haven't picked up one of these, you can pick those up in the back. If you are not getting, how many are not getting our emails? You do not get emails from California Capital Connections. Is there anybody here that does not? Brother Rich, you want to pass out? And I do these things up front because otherwise I know myself and uh, we'll never get them done. So we want you to be able to get the emails from California Capital Connection. Most of you are getting them. That's how you knew about this meeting. But I just wanted to make sure 
um, and uh, to, uh, to get those to you. I'll fill that out and then we'll get you on our regular email list with your legislator information on it as well. So then also, in the, if you're gonna be with us in the morning, uh, we have name tags in the back. It is, say why well, I, I don't really need a name tag at the Capitol, I know where I'm going. It helps when, when legislators and people at the Capitol see all the name tags, it helps them to say, hey, what's going on? Who is this group? And that is helpful uh, to Brother Brandon Campbell uh, when he goes down and on a weekly basis, if there's a time when people said, oh, I saw, you know, I saw that group when they were here. So if you, and if, if we don't have a printed name tag for you, we have extra blanks, uh, we can write one up for you. As many name tags as possible. And by the way, that's true whether you're a pastor, not a pastor, that doesn't matter down there. They're just, all they're seeing is that name tag and it's one more person with the group. And so we want you uh, to be identified with the group. And so uh, get a name tag on the way out. If most of them, if you're a pastor and you, if you registered, regardless, pastor or not, we should have one printed up for you. If you didn't register and you're gonna be there tomorrow morning at the Capitol, uh, we will get one drawn up, made up for you tonight. And you can take it with you tonight so you have it in the morning. So I think that takes care of all of the, um, all of those uh, types of announcements. And we have a number of speakers, but uh, before they come, let me just say, you know, I, I have not personally given up hope on California. And the reason, you know, I, I, we're living in a political climate where Christians are really discouraged, and I, I understand why. But the fact that we are meeting here freely tonight and didn't have to warn, none of us are concerned about being arrested for being here tonight. And you're in California. And there's places that are even in better shape in the country, thank God, as state, statewide go. But you're in California. We have no fear, folks. For us to how, imagine how the Christians in China, what they would give to enjoy the liberty that we have and that you have right here in California tonight. So if they can have faith, and if they can have hope, and if they can be encouraged, then we have no excuse for being discouraged in this present age or for giving up and, uh, and saying there's no hope. In Judges chapter 3, verse 9, Scripture says this, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel. God is still, I believe, in the business of delivering, and we'll talk about that in a minute, delivering nations and raising up deliverers. And how does God deliver those who are oppressed by godless leaders? And folks, that's the issue. The issue is we have godless, too many godless leaders. How does God deliver folks, his, his children, from godless leaders? Well, there are examples in the Bible of unregenerate men doing the right thing. You could say maybe King Cyrus, King Darius, maybe Nebuchadnezzar, and we believe, uh, many folks believe he made a decision and put his faith in God. But you can take the unregenerate, and there are those examples, but far more often than not, God delivered nations by raising up godly believers. Moses. Joseph, Gideon, Asa, Hezekiah, and you could go on and on with the list. Thinking of Gideon, 
expressly, Hebrews 11.32 says this, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. You go back to Judges 6, the story of Gideon. He's hiding behind the wine press, threshing wheat, keeping his head down, waiting for the rapture. Amen. <laughs> just, hey, just don't, don't, don't bother with anything. I've got my little thing going here. Uh, nobody knows about it. I'm, I'm okay. And the Lord comes, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Isn't it a blessing that God has more faith in us sometimes than we have in ourselves? <laughs> he was not acting as a mighty man of valor. But God knew the potential and his grace and mercy that Gideon had. But here's the lesson of Gideon. The lesson of Gideon is you don't save nations hiding behind the wine press. And then you come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, which I just read, which again says, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. He's one listed there. And then you go to verse 33, where it says this about those who are named in verse 32, including Gideon, says this, who through faith subdued kingdoms. We pray for a lot of things. We pray for folks to get saved. We pray for folks to be healed. We pray for uh, the building mortgage to be paid off. And we pray for, we raise funds for this and ask God to bless us in that respect. But folks, when's the last time we really had faith that God is still in the kingdom subduing business? I don't have time tonight, but I could give you an example of two states, Iowa and West Virginia, where we have seen the Lord through believers who he has raised up, who have run for office and have won, where God has literally turned the direction of those states. My point is this. I believe that God is still in the kingdom subduing business. But that's not going to happen by arm-twisting godless, secular humanists into doing the right thing. Folks, you could put 10 thousand independent baptists on the steps of the capitol in sacramento but if you don't change the 120 people inside it will do you nothing i'm i'm very serious about that what we need are godly believers who the Lord raises up. As I travel, I speak to folks, the one thing we need to be praying for is for God to raise up godly believers to run for office. You will not have godly believers in the Capitol down there if you don't have them running for office in a land such as this where we have elections. The other mentality that we're up against is we think, well, it's an election and we're outnumbered. Now think about that, pastors. Talk about there's too many of them, not enough of us. And then we stand up and we preach about Gideon. And we preach about this person in the Bible and that person. It's when, when the Bible in Hebrews 11:33 it mentions individuals by name and says who individually through faith subdued entire kingdoms. Godly believers who the Lord raises up, I believe are the answer and we need those believers to run whether they're in your churches whether they're in your communities 
And we need to pray. We don't, we don't even on our side of the effort, we don't have a campaign side of, of this effort where we go out and recruit. But what we have seen in states where things are changing is God has been raising up believers and they have little by little been added to over the years, uh, little by little more and more of them at a capital until it begins to change the laws that are coming down at the Capitol. And folks, we're only ever one bad law away from losing our liberty. That's why it makes a difference. You have a state that's ruled by 120, you have one of the smallest legislatures in the country, interestingly. 120, you have 80 assembly members, 40 senators. 120 people and one governor, literally, that's the number of people who are ruling this state, 121. You only need half plus one, 41 in the assembly and 21 in the Senate for a total of 62 in order to control as a party what goes on at your capital. So you don't need all 100, so you just need 62. And in the right situation, those 62 can be influenced to do right by less than 10. We had a situation in Iowa where five believers out of 150 changed the whole dynamic of homeschooling in Iowa. I don't have time to tell the story. But here's my point. I believe God's still in the business of subduing kingdoms. He need, what he needs is courageous believers who are willing to stand up against the lies of the godless and legislate based on a biblical worldview. We're not ushering in the kingdom, folks. The Lord will do that. We are trying to preserve liberty, but it takes Christians. We need to be praying that God would raise them up and trust the Lord to do the part that we can't do, which is the big part. But he is well able. What do we do in the meantime? We support, encourage, and lift up the arms of those who are already in office who have a biblical worldview. That's what we're doing tomorrow. You have five to ten legislators in your state capital with a biblical worldview. They need to be encouraged. Secondly, we share the gospel with those who are lost and pray in the meantime, that God would add to the number of the righteous and raise up more to join them in Sacramento. Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. I believe God has great work that he wants to do still in California, and I appreciate so much you joining us tonight and your willingness to be a part of that. I'm thankful for the work of California Capital Connection. Our goal is fourfold as an organization, as it is in the various states, now 10 states, where we have an organization similar to this, maintain a weekly presence of independent Baptist pastors at the Capitol. That's what Pastor Brandon Campbell has committed, and we need to be very thankful for Brother Campbell, because I'll just, and others, there's some other pastors who've been joining him at times, and I'm thankful for that. Let me say this, you must have a presence at the Capitol. Not all of us every day, but there has to be, if we as independent Baptists are gonna have a voice down there, there must be a regular presence, building relationships, getting to know legislators, reaching out to folks, and Brother Campbell has, the Lord 
burned his heart and through Brother Rogers and appreciate the, the groundwork that Brother Rogers laid in this over the years and, uh, and recruited Brother Campbell, if I think that went correctly. And, but Brother Campbell now going down there to the Capitol on a regular basis, you need to be praying for Brother Campbell. He's on the front lines down there dealing with people who are on the front line. So I would add him to your prayer list. He's still pastoring his church. And by the way, uh, this particular assignment did not come with a paycheck. Amen. So uh, so appreciate his willingness to do that on a regular basis. Secondly, we find those good godly legislators and you have some and build trusted relationships with them. Thirdly, of course, looking for opportunities to provide a gospel witness. You'll be in offices tomorrow. You may not see legislators, but they've got big staffs here in California. Every one of those people, as you know, is a soul that needs Christ and is an opportunity to leave a gospel track and, as the Lord opens the door, to provide a gospel witness. And finally, we track the legislation and keep believers informed so they can contact their legislators in a timely fashion. And right now, we're close, real close to having 1,500 uh, believers in our churches who have signed up to get the emails, the call to actions that, that get sent out. Uh, from California Capital Connection on different issues, different bills, telling people when to contact their legislators and letting you know exactly how they're voting. Politicians have a habit of telling you one thing and voting very differently. So by getting those votes of how your legislator actually voted, you can keep them accountable. I'm thankful for the team of pastors God's raised up to lead the work here in California. Pastor Brandon Campbell, as we already mentioned, here in the north, pastoring down in Wheatland and going to the Capitol on a weekly basis. Pastor Richard Miller uh, working with us in Central California down in Atwater and uh, Pastor Donnie Wilson who wasn't able to be here tonight because of a last minute family situation he had to deal with. Uh, but uh, he's down in Southern California and helping us organize and connect to more pastors down there. So basically what we've put together over the last couple years is a team of pastors here in the state uh, to work together and uh, on leading this effort. And without them, it wouldn't be possible. So I'm thankful for each one of them. Brother Campbell's going to come in uh, just a moment and say a word. And let me just give you a little bit of his background. He was born in Santa Maria, California, graduated in 2001 from West Coast Baptist College uh, with a degree in pastoral theology. That's where he met his wife, Christine. And uh, they were married in 2002, it, uh, met at college. Following graduation, he went to work on staff at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, served as youth pastor and administrator for 14 and a half years, and then God led him to Faith Baptist Church in November of 2015 in Wheatland, and he's been involved in the Capitol Connection since 2017 and uh, started visiting the Capitol every week uh, now that they're in session. So Brother Campbell, come and share what the Lord's laid on your heart for us tonight. Man, well, I do have the privilege uh, to go to the Capitol every week. Uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like a privilege. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a battle down there. But every time I go, I'm thankful that I did and, uh, and what the Lord is doing down there. And I think I'm going to start this way. I'm going I'm to give you the bad news, and, uh, and then we'll end with the good news uh, tonight. And as I visit the Capitol, I'm down there on a weekly basis um, and uh, you, you really, even if you just hear about some of the laws and things going on, you don't really get a taste of it until you're down there regularly. And uh, as I'm down there, I'm in different committee meetings and, and things. Uh, they, they are they're trying to push Christians out of everything. 
That is, that is their goal right now. Um, just this year, they actually today, they were hearing a bill uh, that would push, basically push Christians out of the foster care system. Because they're gonna, they want you to, to affirm if someone's LGBT to, to be part of the uh, foster care system. So they're trying to push Christians out. They're, 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 they have a, a law, AB5, that they want to require LGBTQ training for, for teachers, public school teachers. They're going to have to go through this training. Uh, they uh, they want to regulate um, uh, pregnancy centers, claiming that pregnancy uh, crisis pregnancy centers that don't provide abortions uh, they, I've been down there, heard testimony. They say these people just lie, and they give you, they do fake ultrasounds, and they give fake pregnancy tests, and they they do more harm than good, and and uh, they they want to they want to close down all these centers that that help women, and you know I know many pregnancy centers that give stuff to women, have led people to the Lord, save babies' lives, and and they're trying to go after them for. Uh, misinformation because they don't advertise, you know, put on the front, we don't do abortions and, and, and so forth. But uh, they're going after them. They, they, they want to pass a, a police officer code of conduct. And it's very vague. And they want to control who police officers associate with. Uh, if this law is passed very conceivably, you could preach a message on, uh, you know, on the issue of there's two genders and a police officer's, uh, they find out that he goes to your church, he could lose his job because violating this, this code of conduct they're trying to, trying to uh, provide, uh, uh, pass. They, they, of course, in, uh, years ago, we passed uh, Proposition 8 in California, defining marriage between a man and woman. We know it's just kind of symbolic uh, now because of some Supreme Court decisions, but they want to erase that language from the California Constitution. They just—they don't even want to see it in there, and uh, because they hate Christianity, they hate—they hate biblical values. Uh, uh, They—they and then uh, they want to leave us unarmed at church. They want to leave churches as soft targets, (laughs) and uh, and restrict uh, uh, concealed carry and that kind of thing in church. So they're trying to push uh, Christians out this year. They're trying to expand abortion and change everyone's attitude about the unborn. There's. There's 11, 11 abortion-related bills going through right now. Most of them are about making abortions free and, and government paying for it, are protecting those who might come from another state where abortion is outlawed and paying for them to come. Uh, they want to remove, uh, there's a bill to remove all language in California law that says the word unborn. They want it to say fetus. And so they want to change the language, and they, 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 they want to remove all that. Uh, they want to allow a physician's assistant to perform certain types of abortions now. They're trying to lower the standards for that so they can uh, do, do more of these things. And, and so they're trying to expand that. They're after the, the unborn. Um, they, they, honestly, they, they don't like our kids. They want to force this HPV vaccine on people. They want to, uh, they want to distribute... Uh, free condoms out at, at all the all the schools require schools to dis- distribute them, um, which it's just it, it's a mess and, and and doesn't help. They they want uh, schools to do mental health screening, so they want uh, public schools to take your kid and do a mental health screening. And and uh, you know if your kid they find out your kid you know believes in God and and two genders, they they want to label them as having a mental health issue, <laughs> and that uh, they need help. They. Uh, they, they, they want, uh, they want the, they're making it so a, 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 a young kid could, could change uh, the gender he is on his birth certificate, even though we know it doesn't change, and, and then have it sealed so nobody could know. And so you could have a, 
uh, a kid show up and at youth camp and it, you, you think, well, that doesn't really look like a girl, but on their birth certificate, it would say that they are. And, and you know, you don't have any way to prove it and, and, and so forth. And, and, and so they, they, wanna, they, they, they want to, um, in the public schools, they want to um, say that willful defiance, you can no longer discipline or suspend a child for willful defiance of a teacher. In, in public school and then of course they want to require uh, kids to come to school earlier now and, and, and require kindergarten um, they would just want them earlier and so they're after our kids they, there are bills that are very anti-parent um, AB 665 they, uh, where a, they just, it just passed the assembly it's over on the senate side now where uh, kids can seek um, mental health counseling without a parent's permission, kids 12 and older. And they actually could go to like a group home or a resident home that's run by the state and check themselves in and you would lose custody of your kid without your consent. And, and they're, they're calling it state-sanctioned kidnapping, <laughs> the opponents of this bill. Um, they, uh, and, and by the way, when they passed that bill, uh, Assemblyman Rick Zaver said on the floor of the assembly, he said, parents are the problem. He said parents were the problem. Um, AB 957 uh, is that if uh, uh, they are, uh, are going to encourage courts to disregard the parent's opinion when a child wants to change their gender, that the parents don't have any say, the child can choose in a court and and in that law they also want to affirm that if there are two parents and they disagree that the court should always side with the affirming parent and never with the one that doesn't affirm uh, there was a good bill that uh, was some pushback against this and I'll say more about that here in a minute AB 1314 it was to require public schools that they could not keep secrets from parents this bill, they have even denied it a hearing from even going to a committee and having a hearing. They won't even let it be heard. They won't even let debate come on this bill. In fact, the, the, uh, the uh, chairman of the education committee said he didn't want schools to have to out kids to parents because parents uh, uh, might be abusive and, and throw their kids out and beat them if they come out. And we know in most cases, parents love their kids. <laughs> And they take the one extreme and they, they put it to another. He said he didn't want a forum of hate that would cause violence to, to, to LGBTQ people. Of course, we know we never lash out in violence against anybody. But that's what they're saying. And they want to go after it. They're, they're, they're trying to push women out. They're, there's attacks on women. They want to require a feminine products in every man's restroom. Further in the lie that, that men can can become women and women can become men. In fact, I was at a, uh, a, a meeting and it was uh, me and my wife and it, there was a, a man from the California Family Council and a young lady from the Family Council and, and we sat at that hearing and we're just uh, listening to it and this young lady from the California Council spoke and said, just, um, we're in opposition and she had the speaker time and she said, you know, uh, men, uh, have never had need of, of feminine products. There's not one man that has ever had a need of them. And we're just furthering the lie that this can happen. And after that, they, uh, and of course, then we got to a voice that we were, I got to stay up and say, I'm against this, this bill. 
and then sit down. After that, the um, uh, Senator Scott uh, Weiner uh, from the San Francisco area looked right at us, at the, the four of us sitting there, and he says, I just want everyone to know that these people here are from a hate group. And they hate, they hate people, and they hate women, and they hate LGBT. And, you know, of course, we don't hate anybody. <laughs> but in, in, in some good news, usually he would ignore us, so I think we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> One senator looked at us and said she feared the violence that might happen to her and other people if we didn't pass this. They want to just erase women. Is what they want to do. They want to make a uh, require every public school uh, to have at least one man's bathroom with feminine products, and they want to make schools have at least one all gender restroom. And uh, that doesn't necessarily, you know, they might have one where it's a, a single stall, but uh, if if schools don't have a place to put a single stall one, they're going to have to classify one of their restrooms as all gender, take a, a guy's or a girl's restroom and do that. And so they're, 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 they're attacking women. They, they hate our form of government. They, they, they refuse to even have debate on AB 1314, which would have been a good law to put in that. You can't keep secrets from parents. <laughs> they don't even want to have debate. Uh, AB 1075 would limit the governor's uh, power during states of emergency. And after 60 days, the legislator would have to renew uh, that state of emergency. They won't even give that a hearing to, to, to limit his power. And... And uh, they, they want to take power from the school boards. And there was a lot of good results in school boards this last election. And what they want to do now is say, well, if the school board's going to determine what books to use and what to take from libraries and so forth, that's gonna ha they're going to have to get permission from the state uh, to do those things. So they want to take power from on, on the local level. They want to uh, make the governor appoint the, the superintendent of education and not have an election for that. And they're trying to make it harder to get referendums on the ballot if, if the citizens want to change a law on the ballot they're, they're, they're trying to pass a law to make that much more difficult uh, for us to do that in California and in this state we can't even get a, a, a human trafficking uh, classified as a violent felony not even of a minor uh, in this state the public safety committee as I sit there I I realized what their goal is that there would be no prison time for anybody <laughs> as they spoke and so the Bible tells us we are to have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness but it doesn't stop there what does it say but rather reprove them yes. we're gonna have to step up and say something Amen. there's there's kids who need someone to step up and say something there's women who need some men to stand up and say these we we stand for women, and we're going to protect them. Uh, we need someone to go with truth and go forward and speak and reprove the works of darkness. Now, that's the bad, but there are some good things. I have uh, uh, built a relationship with my local assemblyman, James Gallagher. He was elected minority leader. And uh, I was able earlier this year to get an appointment with him, and, and I, I just kept missing him in the hallway, talking to him for a minute or there. But he said, you know, he said, just I need to, I need to talk to you and we got an appointment he sat down with almost for an hour with me and he said and he's a believer he has a good testimony and he said Pastor Campbell he said since I've been elected minority leader I've just kind of lost my focus and I need you to pray for me I need counseling I need to get my focus back I need to get my vision back and I was able to use the Bible 
and, and, and go through the Bible and give him some encouragement and help him to get his focus. And, and I noticed that uh, usually the minority leader of the Republican Party, if uh, somebody did something that was too bold, they would go tell him, oh, back off, quiet down. But I noticed when this AB 1314, that first time ever in the history of California, a pushback against the LGBTQ agenda. First time ever. And it's just a simple bill. You can't keep secrets from parents. If your kid says they're transitioning or they're an opposite gender, you have to tell the parent. And I noticed when that, when that assemblyman, Bill, Bill Asaley, put that bill forward, he got so much flack. James Gallagher said, you know what? I'm not just going to be a co-sponsor. Add me on the bill as a principal author of this bill. And so we, we have some people who, who are, are getting some bold, having some boldness. And we need to pray for them. I, I ran into James Gallagher. I, I was uh, at the Capitol on, uh, it, was, it was Wednesday. I ran into, I uh, went to his office. They said, well, he's, he's trying to get a bill heard. So I ran down to uh, the, the committee meeting. I waited there for about 30 minutes. And finally, he came walking by. And he stood there. He talked to me about 25 minutes. He said, I need prayer. He's all, sometimes I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> He's all, nothing happens that we, good. And, and he said, and I, I told him, look, well, you're a, a, a minister of God. You're here for a reason. Amen. And we need you. We need that voice. So I, I told him, I said, well, I'm going to be at this meeting, and, and, I, and we're going to pray for you. And, and, uh, and, and he said, thank you. He gave me a hug at the end. He said, thank you for being there. And thank you. You're an encouragement. You're a blessing. You're a help. And we need to encourage these people. And so the minority leader is, is one who has some boldness. Now, he's probably the most conservative minority leader California has in 30 years. Has had. Amen. And so that, that has happened. And, yet, and please pray for him to give him wisdom. He said to pray that he would have boldness and that he would have vision. He says, I don't, I'm not sure what to do right now, what to focus on, because everything just gets shot down. <laughs> but pray for him. There are assemblymen, uh, like I said, this AB 1314 was, was put forward, and, and at least it forced them to have a conversation. And there was an assemblyman who had some boldness to push back. We've had uh, 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 assemblyman Joe Patterson and Bill Asaley and James Gallagher. All these parental rights bills, they have, they have stepped up and they have spoken out and said something on the floor of the assembly. And they have stood for parental rights. I'm thankful to be in the Public Safety Committee where uh, Assemblyman um, uh, 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 Lackey, Tom Lackey, where he speaks up and he at least makes them have the conversation of why they're going to shoot all these bills down. And he's had some boldness, and I've built a relationship there uh, with, with that Assemblyman as well and with Assemblyman uh, Joe Patterson and Bill Asaley. So pray for these men. And I know that when we are called a hate group, we're getting somewhere. Because they, 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 they can no longer ignore us. We're getting somewhere with them. And, and usually, like I said, they would north. They had to come out with a press release of why they wouldn't hear AB 1314. Usually they'd just shove that back in the corner. But so many people were outraged and they felt so much pressure. They had to come out and try to at least explain it away. Amen. And so we're getting somewhere. There's about nine offices that the doors are open to me where I can go in and pray with people. Uh, whenever I'm there and staff members and so forth and and so we're thankful for that but we we just need more pastors more Christians to speak boldly to go in there with their faith Uh, sometimes I'm told when I go down well don't lead with your faith because they won't accept you but I I say go down there with your faith and lead with it (laughs) and just be bold with biblical truth that's what they need 
they need the truth. They're, you know, you're, you're, you can have all the statistics and reasoned arguments, and, and we should have all those, uh, but they don't listen to it. So we might as well just go down there and give them biblical Amen. truth. And so as you go visit legislators tomorrow, pastors, I encourage you just go down there with the truth. Give them the truth. Just, uh, yeah, and, and most of you will go to a legislator that they don't agree with you on these biblical positions. They just kindly tell them the truth. You can kindly tell them the truth. You know, some of these people are, they have set themselves as enemy. Scott Weiner has set himself up as an enemy of the gospel. And he needs to hear the truth. And we know what to do with our enemies, right? We love those that hate us, and we pray for them, Amen. but we give them the truth. Amen. And these people need to hear the truth. The church is called the pillar and ground of truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. Where are they going to get the truth if not from us? They need to hear it. They need to hear it. They haven't heard it for so long. They've... They've done, especially through COVID, the California legislator has just done so much things without really hearing from anybody. And they need to hear the truth. They need your phone call. They need you to speak. And then with this, this, is, this was a blessing to me. And I've had uh, uh, Pastor Scott Dean's been coming with me once a month to the Capitol. He wasn't able to make it tonight, but he'll be down there tomorrow. So I'm thankful for him from Elmira Baptist. And then I'm also thankful for this uh, pastor, uh, uh, Stephen Becker. He'll be here tomorrow. He wasn't able to make it tonight. He called me the other day, and, and it's always nice when you, you do one of these things and the pastor listens and takes your advice. <laughs> he got appointments with both of his legislators, Joe Patterson and uh, Roger Nilo. He met with Roger Nilo first. Roger Nilo was very polite and kind to him, and, and he, got, he got to share the gospel with Roger Nilo. And he shared the gospel with them. Of course, he's, uh, you know, he was just being polite and kind, but at least he got to hear the Amen. truth. He then met with Joe Patterson, who was not only just polite and kind, but was actually very interested in the gospel. Amen. And the man is searching. Amen. And he shared the, the gospel with this man. He said, I, I, you know, and we talked about the gospel for 25 minutes or so. And shared the gospel with him, and he is searching. He's kind of disillusioned with the Catholic Church when he, from when he was a kid, and he's visited a few community churches, and he's searching. Amen. And he's a very bold man, and he, all the issues, he lines up with us. So pray. Pray for Joe Patterson. But that was just a pastor. He didn't go to the Capitol. He called. He got an appointment. He met in the district office locally. Amen. And he was able to witness to both of his representatives. My strongest relationship at the Capitol is with, guess who? My representatives. Because <laughs> that's who they care about the most. And the other believers in there, and uh, they will let me in their office and so forth. But I encourage you, you can make a difference. Meet with your legislators. Encourage them. If you have a good one, pray for them. Uh, I would encourage you with this. Uh, it, it, you, I, I'll go to the Capitol, and I'll be busy down there. And if you can, if you can make, come up and help me. Praise the Lord. Come and come and be with me. You sit by me when uh, we get called hate groups. It's real fun. Uh, it, it was funny when I when when it, when it happened. I'm sitting there and the guy's talking for ten minutes or so, and my watch beeps and I look and it says, "Your heart rate has risen above 120 beats per minute, and you do not appear to be exercising." <laughs> so, you know, it's pretty interesting and, and so forth. But you know what? It's always a blessing to serve the Lord and shine the light for the Lord. 
and uh, meet with them. I would encourage you, if you can just, if you could meet with your legislator at the beginning of the session and then at the end. If that's all you can do, then do that. Pray with them at the beginning, pray with them at the end. If there is a, I would encourage you with this, if there is a law and you're like, this law really bothers me, it's terrible, don't just call in and say, hey, uh, can I meet with my legislator in their district office? And in person, look them in the eye and say, why are we voting for this? <laughs> You'll make more progress, and it's harder for them when they're, they know who they're, they're doing this to. Because there's a face. And so I encourage you, get in their office and just say, hey, you're trying to take the, the parental rights. I'm really concerned about this. Um, what are you doing? And maybe do that once, once a year with a law. Pick one. <laughs> and just so they see you face to face. And it makes a difference. We have the spirit of Christ in us. We're the salt and light. And so we got to take it to them. Amen. They're not going to come to us. Right. They, they love it when we just stay in our church walls. <laughs> we got to take it to them. Amen. Amen. Give Brother Campbell a hand. I appreciate his work. Keep in your prayers. The district office addresses of your legislators are on the bottom of most of the emails, right, right with their names. So you get an email, we're now putting those district offices for that very reason, because it's easier for you to access them many times in the district office. So find the one that's closest to you. The phone number is included with that district office address. And just call them and say, hey, I'd like to meet with my legislator. When's he going to be in town? And uh, that may be far easier than even getting an appointment with him up here. So keep that in mind. Also, all the bills that Brother uh, Campbell mentioned, now when we send out our bills that we're monitoring, those bills are, will be that he mentioned tonight are in there, just a one-sentence description for most of them. And you can click on the link of the bill number. It'll take you actually to the California website and give you information. So if you have more, want more information on those bills, you're receiving those in those lists if you're getting our emails. Uh, I think we're tracking about 50 bills uh, 20 good and 30 uh, that are bad uh, currently and appreciate all the good work Brother Campbell's doing. Appreciate Brother Miller, mentioned him down in uh, Atwater and the uh, Lord has used him on a local level to reach in to his city council and make headway and, uh, and so we want to kind of give you ideas as part of this uh, effort, uh, not just uh, with one uh, do not just necessarily on the state level, but there's a county level, there's a city level. I would encourage you uh, to talk to Brother Brown. Uh, he is working uh, here in Yuba County on the sheriff le level, and God has opened amazing doors uh, into the sheriff's department here uh, for Pastor Brown and, uh, and getting the gospel to sheriffs, and, and really the Lord just using great ways. So there's all different levels, and, and only the Lord knows what he calls each one of us to do. And so, uh, but Brother Miller's going to come and speak just a minute about, uh, in particular, about the work the Lord's used him to do uh, down in Atwater. So, Brother Miller, you come on ahead. Much appreciate uh, Pastor Brown and the church hosting us and uh, Brother Campbell, all the work that he's put in. And, of course, Brother Cranston, he has uh, done a, a, a tremendous job as well. I was thinking... Uh, real quickly, this is off topic for just a second, but Brother Cranston, I was thinking, I don't know that we, we could take that mistake about the exit and we might be able to sort of flip it. And if enough of us show up at the exit, we could tell them it's been transitioned to an entrance maybe. 
and, and maybe we can, may, I mean, that's how our world's going. Maybe we can convince them and get in that way. Um, you know, when you hear the testimony that we just heard, as Brother Campbell said, he, he tried to give us the bad news first because we understand there's a lot of bad things going on in our world and our country and specifically in our state. And a number of years ago, actually back in 2018, I remember attending one of these meetings and I knew what was going on as far as in our federal government. I knew what was going on on the state level, but I had no idea what was going on in my own city. And so the Lord began convicting me about getting involved locally. And I'm so thankful that the Lord did convict me about that because the truth is, if you've ever climbed hills or mountains, I'm from Iowa, so I used to think we had hills till I met my wife who's from California, and she says, those aren't hills, amen? You have to come to California. Now I know what hills are. I know what mountains are. And if you're climbing a hill, you're climbing a mountain, and you're looking up at the pinnacle that you're trying to reach, it can look like it's a long ways off. And it can be a very daunting task. So sometimes you just have to look at where you're putting your foot the next step and just keep looking at the next step. And that's what I believe reaching out in our local uh, government is all about. So gentlemen, do we have a picture, that picture that we were gonna put up there? I wanna actually sort of do something a little bit different with the meeting. How many of you have ever heard of Paul Harvey? And you remember the rest of the story it used to be on the radio? So I wanna start by telling you this lady's story. Her name is Jean Kirby. And she owns a restaurant in Atwater where I pastor. It's called Granny's Pantry. And it's an old, uh, old-time restaurant. It's in the downtown area where you have all these storefronts. And Jean Kirby's 79 years old. If she lives to see the beginning of May, she'll turn 80. She was diagnosed with bone cancer. And last week, my wife and I were able to go over to her house. And we were able to, I was able to kneel down next to her bed as she's bedridden right now. And I was able to uh, take the Bible and lead her through the Romans road. I was holding the Bible up so that way she could see that what I was sharing with her was from God's word. And at one point she's from England originally. So she's got a British accent. And at one point she says, dear, do you need a light? And I said, no, no, Miss Jean, I don't need a light. I said, I just want you to know that what I'm telling you is coming from God's word. I want you to trust God's word. I don't want you to trust me. And she goes, oh, that's okay, dear. I don't trust you. And I said, okay, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. So if you get saved, you're not getting saved because you trust me. Amen. And at the end of it, she bowed her head and she prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Savior. I got a, a text message just the other day from a gentleman who had heard that she trusted Christ. And, and word has sort of spread around Atwater. We're only about 30,000 people, just a small town. But when Granny came, uh, was diagnosed with bone cancer, people heard about it and now they've heard that she's trusted Christ. And so in a town like ours, that makes a difference. Well, that's the end of the story. I want to take you back now to 2019 real quickly. January, after I'd been convicted about not knowing what was going on in our city and uh, starting to go to city council meetings. January 1st came and I said, okay, Lord, you've convicted me about it. I'm going to go to the city council meetings. And I've been going to city council meetings for the last four years. And I wish I could tell you that I was going because they're interesting, but they're not. I wish I could tell you that I was going because I have nothing to better to do on Monday nights. But I have a beautiful wife and I have five wonderful children. I have a lot more to do on Monday nights. But the reason I was going is because the Lord compelled me to. He laid it on my heart. So I started going in January of 2019, and I had been going for about a year. At the end of that year, 
there was a lady who was coming to all these city council meetings and she came up to me and her name is Jeannie Knight. Jeannie said, Pastor Miller, I know you're here at all these meetings and I've got a brother-in-law and he, he and his wife are going to be looking for a church and they want to find a Baptist church and she's coming out from Arkansas. That's where her roots are. And do you have an invitation for your church? And I said, sure. So I gave her an invitation to our church at that city council meeting. This was in December of 2019, January of 2020 rolls around. I don't see her. I don't see her brother-in-law or sister-in-law until about February. And a man walks in with his wife and uh, I introduce myself and come to find out this was her brother-in-law and her sister-in-law. And, and they started coming to our church and they eventually joined our church for a few years while they were here and then they moved back. And God had uh, allowed us to make that connection with Jeannie Knight. Well, then, of course, you all know what happened in February and March of 2020. And like uh, all the other cities in our state, uh, of course, there was a lockdown and, and people were told not to go to church. And I remember that our city council, which is actually much more conservative than many city councils, they had decided in May, the beginning of May, that they were going to make our city a sanctuary city for small businesses and churches to where bi small businesses could open up because small businesses are the backbone of our little town and churches because there were people on our city council that believed that churches were still important. And so I went to that city council meeting. It was a special meeting. And after the meeting, they had gotten with the mayor. Paul Creighton was his name at the time. He was the mayor of Atwater and he's a professing Roman Catholic. Uh, but as Brother Campbell mentioned about one of the other legislators, he's very uh, uh, perturbed with the Catholic Church right now, and he's searching, or uh, he was. And, and so they interviewed him, the news media out of Fresno did, and they said, is there someone here we can talk to about uh, the faith, that's from the faith-based community that we could talk to about this? And he says, sure. And he says, here, let me introduce you to someone. And so our Catholic mayor introduced him to the Baptist preacher. And I got the opportunity to speak for just a moment. And ultimately what happened, has happened over the last four years is really just by going to these city council meetings, we've been able to fill in a void. There was nobody going. There's no other pastor in our town that goes to the city council meetings. There are no other people of faith that go to the city council meetings in our town except for people from Victory Baptist Church. And ultimately as COVID popped up, as other things have popped up in our city, there has been a need for people to be able to turn to someone and uh, to, to look for spiritual counsel and for guidance. And God has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, so much so that uh, two years ago, the Lord impressed upon our heart the need to uh, have a Christmas outreach. And we have an older house in the middle of town. It's called Bloss Mansion. And so we went to the city and we said, we'd like to do an outreach around Christmas time. We want to keep Christ in Christmas and we're, we want to make it all about Jesus Christ. And so we went to the planning commission, went to the city council. They approved it. And so we, the last two years, have been able to meet on that property free of charge. And as people come on the property, we're able to point them to Christ as they walk around and, and see this old mansion and experience these things that we've done. But at the same time, they've seen that the people of Victory Baptist Church, they have a, a heart for this community. And so when they've had a need as a city, I've gotten phone calls. They've said, Pastor Miller, we, we need some helpers with this event. For example, last year we had, they had an Easter egg hunt that they were doing out at Veterans Park. And they said, we've got the Easter eggs, but we don't have any workers. I said, we can provide workers. 
And so we did that last year, and then this year they called us again. And I was telling uh, the, the young people at Golden State Baptist College a couple weeks ago, I said we had our Easter egg outreach, and we didn't have to spend a dime because the city paid for all of it, and we got to give out gospel tracts and invitations. Now, once again, I know it's a small town, 30,000 people. And we may be an anomaly, some people might think. But ultimately, when I think about how God impressed upon my heart to to start getting involved. Tonight, I'm so thankful that I did because you see Gene Kirby, who I mentioned to you just a moment ago, Granny. The whole reason why I met Granny and had that in, inroad was because of that other woman that I mentioned, Jeannie Knight. Jeannie Knight was the one who, after her brother and sister-in-law, they moved back to Arkansas. She continues to watch our services faithfully online her husband has ms so she has to stay with him at all times but she watches our services and she uh, considers herself a part of our church family and she was the one who contacted my wife and i and she said uh, she calls me a little preacher uh, she says little preacher she says granny wants to get saved so after granny got saved we went down to granny's pantry to tell her daughter jackie that she got saved and Jeannie Knight was going around telling the ex-mayor, telling other city council members, telling people that were down there, because that's sort of the spot to be. She says, Granny got saved today. Granny got saved today. And she was telling everybody Granny got saved. You see, in a small town like ours, as I said, word spreads. And it was actually very easy to have an impact by just being in somewhere where nobody else was just being there for people and so honestly i'd like to encourage you maybe there's one pastor maybe there's one layman here tonight you don't even know what's going on locally in your town i just encourage you to go I'm, i'll be honest with you there's going to be times where you're going to wish you were somewhere else but you just don't know what seeds you're sowing you don't realize what connections might be opened as a result and tonight if there's only one person who got saved because I started going to a city council meeting four years ago, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Because one day I know I'm going to see Jean Kirby in heaven. And she's going to greet me. She might have some tea and crumpets. Not going to eat the blood sausage. Amen. I don't think it's going to be allowed in heaven. <laughs> but with all that being said, there's a new name written down in glory tonight. Amen. And it started at a city council meeting. And so sometimes we look at that hill and we say, man, it's just it's too high. We'll just start taking some steps, and we'll get there eventually. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Brother Miller. What a good testimony. And praise the Lord for that lady being saved and others, the great work he's uh, been able to do there. I had invited Greg Bergey. I don't think Greg is here, is he? I don't think he was able to make it with the Family uh, Council, California Family Council. So I'll just mention quickly um, to, uh, that they are a great group, California Family Policy, and uh, we work closely with them. They are the ones who go through a lot of the bills and identify the good from the bad. And uh, we appreciate their help. And they have a website. They're working on this AB 314, encouraging uh, school boards to push back and to support it, even though it's not gotten a hearing. And so I encourage you to go to California Family Council's website. We also sometimes, oftentimes, link to their website and uh, they are trusted, they are good folks, uh, and Greg Burt, a strong believer, and so, uh, so just want to mention them and encourage you. You can get their emails as well. Uh, I would encourage you to do that if you want to be kept up to what's going on down at the Capitol, and they're there every day of the week 
uh, at the Capitol doing good work. Again, that's California Family Council, and so we appreciate uh, their good efforts. At this time, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Campbell to come back up and introduce our preacher for tonight. Quickly, before I do that, the picture of the parking is correct. You sent me an email with the wrong address, but this one is correct. <laughs> and so, uh, if it looks like that, there's just that tree is gone because it blew over uh, during the winter. But uh, otherwise, that that is correct. Uh, in the email, it had an L Street address, which is the exit, but 10th Street is the entrance to that. So, just to clear that up uh, uh, for you there. And remember that and uh, would encourage you I, I I don't make it to city councils as much as um, brother Miller does but I do try uh, to go and to be part of that and so uh, I encourage you to do that and be and be part of those uh, those things but uh, I'm thankful to introduce uh, my pastor I uh, was uh, I believe it was 15 years old or so when uh, he uh, came to the uh, uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church and became the pastor back in uh, 1995, I believe it was, and uh, was my pastor. I went to Bible college, came back, uh, came on staff and worked with him for 14 and a half years uh, before I moved up here with his blessing and we departed well. And uh, I wish I could tell the story. It's a great story of how the Lord worked in that way. But he is a, a faithful man. He's a man who is not afraid to speak truth and to stand up. He, he has a uh, we started in the local town. He started a, a radio show, and he addressed um, these these topics of government and things that are going on on the secular station from a biblical view a point on the radio show. And now it has turned into it's still on the local radio. Uh, uh, he still has a local radio broadcast, and now it's a podcast, and uh, hundreds of thousands of subscribers to that podcast called The Brain Massage. And uh, he addresses these issues. Uh, from a biblical point of view, uh, he has uh, written a, a book called God's War, and it's not a small book. <laughs> it's a good book, but it is a must read for a Christian. If you want to know your part in this battle, you need to read that book, and it'll be a great help to you. And so uh, he, he, I believe he wrote that book to, to earn his doctorate, and so that book, God's War, and uh, he, is, he is a man who speaks truth, unafraid. That's why I learned how to how to, how to speak uh, to these people and not be afraid and understand the authority that I have as a believer, as an ambassador in Christ. I am a king and a priest. Amen. And I can go and stand before these people and say, what you're doing is wrong. Because Amen. it's against the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. And you need to repent and believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why I learned that from, from my pastor. And so I'm so very thankful for him. And I, I'm sure his message will be a blessing and it will be a help to you.
universe and all therein is his as a loving heavenly father he yearns to save us all to lift us from the fall we believe we Jesus, the Father's only Son, existing uncreated, before time had begun, a sacrifice for sin. He died, then he rose again to ransom sinful men. We believe. We believe in the Spirit who makes believers one. Our hearts are filled with his presence. The comforter has come. The kingdom unfolds in his plan, unhindered by quarrels of man. His church upheld by his hand, we believe. And though the earth be removed and time truths are secure God's word shall endure whatever may change these things are sure we believe so if the mountains are cast down into the plains when kingdoms all crumble one remains our faith is not subject to seasons of man with our fathers we proclaim we believe our Lord will come as he said the land and the sea will give up their dead his children
Okay? Are we good? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm so glad to be with you tonight. I'm looking forward to what well, I have looked forward for, uh, to this for some time now. I appreciate so much, uh, Pastor Brown, for opening your, your church to us to be able to meet here. And then I appreciate so much the meal that you, you prepared. Uh, many of us pastors do that from time to time. We are certainly aware of how much is involved in, in pulling that off. And thank you so much. It was an excellent meal. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate Brother Cranston and all the work you've done to help us have this. Thank God for you and what God did in your life to allow this to come into ours. Appreciate that. And of course, I love Brother Campbell. I've known him since he was a wee little lad. And I uh, just love him and appreciate him so much. And, and we've worked together very closely. And I've never been the same since he's left. It's, I'm still limping in my ministry since he's left us there at Lighthouse. But I just praise God for uh, what he's going to do in California. I've, uh, I was, I've been praying a lot about uh, this whole situation in our state. I love our state. I thank God I was born and reared here in California. Uh, we did spend some time in Georgia and in Florida, and, uh, but yeah, this is home to me. And it breaks my heart to see what has happened. You know, Reagan was once our president, I mean our, our governor. He was also a president, amen. But uh, can you imagine that we had Reagan as a, as a governor here? That's hard to even believe, hard to imagine now. But uh, it, it happened then, it can happen again. We'll get uh, Pastor Campbell to be our governor before too long, <laughs> so that'll be good. But I, I just, uh, uh, with a broken heart, have lately, uh, over the last few years, really begun to pray, and fast and pray, and seek God's face to, to pull America out of the hands, out of the grip of the unreasonable and the wicked. You know, the Apostle Paul asked for prayer that he would be protected and delivered from the unreasonable and wicked. And we are certainly held hostage by the unreasonable. I mean, you can underline that word. And it goes right along with wicked, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah wickedness makes you unreasonable, makes you just downright, well, let's just say dumb. And it's ridiculous what's going on. We ask God to intervene in a major way. And I was in prayer uh, after some season of fasting, and seeking God's face for our state. You know what, I, I'm just going to give you this, uh, this little testimony. I was stirred up, praying, and, uh, and I just was moved, I think, by the Holy Ghost to just cry out to God, Father, Satan can't have California anymore. He, does, he doesn't get to take California. Some of you think, well, what are you talking about? He's already got it. Well, you need to listen very closely to the message tonight. Let's stand together, please. Find Psalm number 94. Look with me at verses 14, 15, and 16. Verses 14 to 16. In the 94th Psalm, beginning at verse 14, the Bible says, For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. There are some who read something like that and they have a tendency to think, well, that belongs to, uh, to Israel. That's all about them. It's not about us. Uh, the, the exact reverse is actually true. The Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, said to us that the things that happened to them and that were written down happened to them and were written down for us. This doesn't have secondary application. It has primary application. If you want to debate that, I'd be glad to sit down with you and do it. But really, Paul said that what happened to them and what was written down 
happened to them and was written down for us upon whom the ends of the world are come. This is speaking to you. The apostle Peter said clearly that you who were not a people are now the people of God. You are the people of God. I have it on the authority of the Apostle Peter. If you need higher authority than that, we've got that too. He wrote that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I came straight from God's throne by his son Jesus Christ and his spirit through that apostle. Amen. Amen. For the Lord will not cast off his people. Well, here you are, he's not going to cast you off. Neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Now listen to this challenge and this invitation. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Well, we're way past time to stop this retreating yielding to them the floor, yielding to them the place. We were told, don't yield place to the devil, man. We've just turned the place over to him. Well, it's really time for us to stand up and take it back. Let's pray together. Father, I'm praying in Jesus' name that you'll help me tonight to be a help and a blessing. Help, Father, to, uh, that, that my heart will be uh, so totally wrapped up in yours that your heart will be revealed tonight, that your mind, Lord Jesus, will be expressed that there will not be anything that's said here where my flesh gets in the way and diverts from your voice. You promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, you'd be there, you're here, we know you're here. Help us have eyes to see and hear what you have to show us and and to say to us tonight. Oh God, I need your help. And these need help from you. I pray for this in Jesus' wonderful name. In his holy name, his glorious name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I've written a book, God's War, with the subtitle, Why Christians Should Rule the World. That really bothers people. And a a lot of believers think that uh, I've gone all covenant on them. Uh, I, I have not gone covenant at all. Uh, But I do believe this, that Jesus Christ, who's coming back with a kingdom he went away to get, that's that one. That's that kingdom. That's coming. We don't usher that in. That's just going to be like, come when Jesus returns. But I'm telling you right now, he owns these kingdoms right now. He is king of the kingdoms of men. Satan is not in control. Any authority Satan exerts anywhere on this planet, he has usurped. He does not have a right to rule one square inch of territory on this planet. There is not one ruler in this world who is out from under God. All power is ordained of God. There isn't any power that isn't. Nobody has power that's out from under God. It doesn't exist. Have you ever read Romans 13 and paid attention to what it's saying? Last time I checked, the ordaining authority is what conveys authority. 
Nobody has power. They didn't get it from God. That's what, that's what Jesus told Pilate. Hey, fella. Right? right? We need to understand that every Xi Jinping, he is under God, has a command from God to repent and believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. He has a command from God to get on his knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if he won't do it right now willingly, he will do it later on. Unwillingly, it's going to happen. But it's commanded right now. We need to understand that and appreciate it. So what I'm going to start with uh, tonight is uh, because the, the, the subject is this big and I got this much time, you know what I mean? But I'm going to help you with one thing, and that is the fact that Satan does not have a right to rule California. It is because so many believers actually, incorrectly, erroneously think that he does, that he's gotten away with 99% of everything he's done. Open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start right there. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 15 with me. We're going to read a rather lengthy, a lengthy passage. Please follow along and pay very close attention. Don't get bored and let your mind stray off and start, you know, thinking about the things. Please stay with the passage as I read through it. There's a place in this passage that's going to blow your mind. And hopefully you'll catch it. If not, I'll help you. <laughs> I'll throw it again right at you and make sure you catch it, okay? But just let's see if you, if you grab this as we're reading. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, did you catch it? You know, most of us believe someday Jesus is going to reign. Most of us are waiting for that great day to come. Some of us uh, think that uh, Satan's got it now, but Jesus is going to get it then. Our turn's coming. Well, you didn't pay attention to what was just said. You miss something. You miss something very, very fundamental. We are exactly backwards. From the mindset of the apostles, the fact asserted here that Jesus Christ's name said above all other names, that his, his, uh, his rule and his authority is set over all the world, is not only in this world, but also in the one to come. We better read it again, verse 21. His name, his power, his authority, far above all principality 
a domain over which a prince presides, all power, exousia, that's the right to rule, and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also on that which is to come. This is amazing. According to the apostles, the idea that Jesus Christ right now is king over all was like, well, that's given. We know that. Right? But I'd like you to know that he's also going to continue the job in the world that is to come. Jesus Christ is king right now in this world, this one, the one we're living in. So from the apostle's point of view, you can see how many of us have it backwards. We're all waiting for the day when Jesus will one day reign. He reigns over the kingdoms of this world right now. That's what Paul was talking about when he tells us that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Christ rose again from the dead, Jesus went out of his way to gather his disciples in Galilee for reasons that are really interesting, but we don't have time to go into. We had to say this in Galilee, he couldn't say it in Jerusalem. You see, because the second coming is all about Mount Olivet, but his first coming was about Galilee. Boy, I wish I had time to develop that, but just run with it and see what you come up with. You'll be amazed. He couldn't make this announcement in, in Jerusalem. He couldn't make it in the Mount of Olives. He had to make it in a mount in Galilee. I believe it was the Mount of Transfiguration, but that's another subject. In any event, the declaration Jesus made, I believe, at that point was this. Matthew 28, 18. All power is given unto me in heaven newsflash and in earth is given not will be someday when Jesus rose again he said it's all mine now I say Jesus Christ is Lord not Satan I say, California is under Christ's authority, not Satan's. I say, any authority Satan exercises over California has been usurped. It's been given to him. We've yielded it to him. We just let him have it. You see, Christ taught us that he took it all from the enemy. And before he left, oh, are you ready for this? Can you handle this? I'm playing with you, of course. <laughs> he gave it to us. He turned his goods over to us. And he told us, occupy till I get back. Instead of occupying, we retreated. We didn't hold the territory that he took. Now, I'm going to just focus on this issue with Satan because a lot of people think that Satan, you know, being God of the world, that therefore, you know, we just have to understand, you know, he's, he's, the, he's the guy. He's got it all now. One day we'll get it. That's just a lie. And it's a lie he has used 
to get Christians to step out and let them just run the show. But we got to turn around and take it back. Satan has no authority. Christ took it all. Satan had the power of death. Did you know that? The Bible says Satan had the power of death and that he doesn't have it anymore. Hebrews 2 verse 14, but Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The Bible says the devil had the power of death. And the Bible says that Jesus came and took it away. He doesn't have it anymore. Jesus holds the keys of death and of hell now. Revelation 1.18, all mankind was in the hold of death. And under the power of Satan who had the power of death. Whoa. I want to tell you something right now. The blood of bulls and goats would never get it done. That's why all saints who believed on Christ before, you know, even Abraham heard the gospel. All those saints of the Old Testament, if Jesus had not gone forward and died upon the cross, every one of them would have gone on into hell and into the lake of fire. That's why that moment when Jesus was in Gethsemane struggling with that whole issue. And he said, Father, remove this cup from me. Wow. And I don't have time to go into the whole picture there, but mercy, it's a, it's, it's a very interesting moment. If you just go ahead and believe the Bible. Now, if you've got a theological system out here that corrects everything the Bible says, that's different. I don't know what to do for you. But if you just go with what the Bible shows you and just follow that, it's an amazing moment because Jesus Christ was saying, Father, remove this cup from me. Just kidding. I don't think so. That was a serious situation right there. He had talked often about that cup before. Now he said, Father, remove the cup from me. What's pretty clear that the Father told him that's not going to happen because later on he said, Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be removed from me except I drink it, thy will be done. If you pay attention while you're reading that, that gospel account, you'll see a development there. It starts off, Jesus saying, remove this cup. It ends up with him saying, well, if it's not possible to remove it, unless I drink it, then we're going to go with that plan. That's interesting, isn't it? And then we, re we realize something when he goes on into the clearing there where the soldiers came to arrest him and all that stuff happens. And uh, Peter pulls out the sword and he starts hacking off ears. You got to love Peter. I'm going to be assigned to his whatever. I love it. But so he's, he's the man of action, and he's cutting ears off, you know. And Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on this guy. I just wish I could be there. I want to see that move. I want to see that video. When I get to heaven, I want to watch that one. I love that. And, uh, and, and he says to Peter, put your sword away. He said this, don't you know, now listen carefully, don't you know that I could call on my father right now, and he would send more than 12 legions of angels. They would just take care of this thing. Now, you don't need 12 legions of angels to handle that little band that came to arrest him. Mercy, one angel took out 185,000 troops in an evening's work. You need 12 legions when you're going to take on the entire horde of Satan's devils. Or in other words, Jesus said, you know, listen, here's the deal that was made there in the garden. The father said, I, 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 I'm kind of 
just extrapolating from the facts, you understand. But the father, in effect, I think said, son, you don't have to drink the cup. But if you don't drink it, it'll never leave you. It'll never be removed. But if you decide not to drink it, let me know. All the angelic host are ready to move. And at your signal, I'll send them. And we'll pull the plug on redemption. And Abraham will go to hell. And David will go to hell. Because nobody gets saved by the blood of bulls and goats. Only the blood of the Lamb of God can, can procure the redemption. And if Jesus had not gone through with this thing, he would hold the cup forever, but we would be forever lost. So I thank God that Jesus Christ went on to the cross and died for us and shed his blood that we might be delivered. And when he died upon the cross of Calvary, he died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He delivered all of mankind from the power of Satan. He took death away from Satan. And now he commands all men everywhere to repent and to believe on Jesus Christ. We've been sent forward to declare the terms of surrender to the conquering King Jesus. That's important for reasons we'll appreciate even a little more as we move along. Jesus emancipated all mankind when he took away from Satan the power of death. So that today it's whosoever will may come. And that's why. It's because he paid the penalty of sins for all mankind. So that anyone who will repent and turn to God can be saved today. All who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that he rose from the dead and call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because when Jesus died, he died for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world and did not die for any of his own. So sin had no claim on him. Hell could not hold him. The father gave him power to lay it down and the father gave him power to take it up again. And Jesus Christ rose again. Oh, my friends, Satan had the power of death over mankind, over the entire world. But Jesus came and took away from the devil the power of death. Now, the devil had something else, too, that he lost that day. What else did he have? Satan had all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them in his power at Jesus' first coming. In the desert temptation, Satan claimed all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them had been given to him. Read about it in Luke chapter 4, 5, and 6, Matthew 4, 8, and 9. And Satan offered them to Jesus if Jesus would bow down and worship him. Hmm. Now, some say, well, Satan was just lying, and Jesus knew that he was lying because Jesus knew he's a liar and the father of it. But Jesus did not correct this error like he did the other two temptations. He didn't say anything about what the scripture also says. That's not what he did here. What he did here instead, and you'll see this more clearly as we move along, 
is he declared to Satan what he had come to do. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then later on, if you read those passages carefully, you'll see this was a progressive thing. It developed over time. It wasn't all like one shot, three things. Have you ever noticed that in, the Luke, in, in Luke's account, the, uh, the, uh, the offer to give the kingdoms is at the end? Whereas in Matthew, it's the second. Please tell me somebody saw that. <laughs> somebody got, got to have noticed that besides myself. Well, isn't that odd? I guess the Holy Ghost got a little confused. He said, oh, oops, I got that one in the wrong place. No, it's because this thing went on throughout. It was repeated attacks over and over and over again. But at the, at the, in, the, in the end of it all, Jesus at first, he said, the first time it was presented to him, he said, you get behind me, Satan. And the last time it was presented, Jesus said, just get out of here. Get thee hence. And that's what Jesus came to do. To hence the devil. I'm not sure that's good English, but it makes, I think you understand the point. You know, Jesus identified Satan as prince of this world three times. John 12, 31, 14, 30, and 16, 11. Jesus declared, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. John 12, 31. That was the get the hints thing. Jesus said the prince of this world had nothing in him, no sin by which he could hold him, nothing in him that would give Satan place before him. Get thee hence, John 14, verse 30, because Jesus came to declare the prince of this world is judged, John 16, 11. Each time Jesus referred to Satan as prince of the world, he encapsulated it in a prophecy that it's, his time is up. Each time, the one or the other, he, was, he made a declaration with that that said it will be over soon. Jesus described his mission when he explained his power over devils. In Matthew 12, 28 to 29, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? I don't, probably not a preacher in this room who hasn't read that and seen clearly that Jesus is, uh, is the one that's binding the strong man. The strong man's the devil. And the house that's being spoiled is Satan's house. You probably preached it a thousand times. Well, get hold of what you've been preaching. Jesus spoiled his house. And that doesn't mean it got rotten like a bad banana. That's a term of war. Jesus conquered him and took from him what he had into his own power. Satan had some things that Jesus came, bound him, and took away from him. One of them was death, and the other, well, stay tuned. Devils are the angels that fell with Satan, those he drew with him in his rebellion against God, Revelation 12, 4. Jesus demonstrated his power over Satan's devils when he commanded them to depart. He explained that in order to exercise this power that you're watching me do over Satan's devils, he first must bind the strong man. Well, he told us how to do that. In Matthew 17, 21, he told us how to do it. 
said, this kind can't come out but by prayer and fasting. There are some kind of devils that can only be handled by prayer and fasting. Uh, I have that on the authority of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good authority. You don't suppose he was going to spoil the strong man's house without some prayer and fasting, do you? Jesus bound the devil in the desert and proceeded from there to go about spoiling his house, taking from him all he had. He had some things. Jesus came to take them. He bound that strong man, exercising his authority to bind. You know, he released a woman from satanic bondage when he exercised his authority to loose. Binding and loosing. Luke 13, 16. And then Jesus proceeded to spoil his house. We're not talking about a spoiled banana, as I pointed out. We're talking about spoils of war. We're talking about a conqueror who came to conquer an enemy and take from that enemy all and the word is all. He didn't leave a little bit. He, when he rose again, he said, all power is given unto me. Did you hear what I just said? Satan has none. He has no power. Some of you still don't believe me. Keep on. Wait. I'll get to you in a minute. Just hang on. He took from him the keys of death and hell. He took from him the kingdoms of man and the glory of them. Took them all. Satan had them, but he doesn't have it now. Satan lost his principality. He lost his power. Principality refers to the dominion over which a prince presides. Jesus created all principalities. He created them all. He created all powers. There's no principality that Jesus didn't create. There's no power that Jesus didn't create. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Satan was made prince of this world. That was his principality. Hmm. Got to read my book to get really deep into all this, you know, amen? You think I'm trying to sell books? Fine. <laughs> Write to me, tell me who you are, and if I like you, I'll send it to you free. <laughs> Satan was prince of this world, of the kingdoms of man. We're all within his principalities. Jesus spoiled the principalities. Now, why would Jesus spoil what he created? Why would Jesus have to conquer what he created? If he created all principalities, why is it in the next chapter of Colossians, we read that he spoiled principalities? You ever think about that? Well, it is interesting. He says in Colossians 1, he, he created all principalities. In Colossians 2, he doesn't say all. He just says he spoiled principalities. Which principalities did he spoil? All of those that had been removed out from under him. All of them that had been removed out from under him. The prince who is Satan rebelled against God 
and drew his principality out from under God. And the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, to get it back. Three more people just had the lights go on. Okay, well, we got a few more to get here. <laughs> Satan was booted out and made prince of the power of the air. And I'm here to announce that was not a promotion. He was demoted. He's prince of air now. He has no authority on the earth. None. None that we haven't given him by yielding place to him. Ephesians 2, 1 or 2. Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So Satan has no legitimate authority in this world. Whatever influence he exerts is usurped because we have given place to the devil. And it all comes out of the lie that Satan is appointed by God as God of the world. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 is used all the time. Some of you have been thinking about it, waiting for me to get to that verse. Or believing I would never get to it. Because I was afraid of it. I've been looking forward to getting to this verse. I was just playing with you. You know that you understand. Some of you don't know me well and you're thinking, this guy is something else. I'm just playing around. But have you never read Isaiah 44 verse 8? Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Have you never read, did God lie when he said, before me there was no God formed, neither Shall there be after me? Sorry, Mormons, it's just not going to work out for you. Isaiah 43, verse 10. There was no God before me, and there's not going to be any God after me. I know you're still thinking, but he said he's God of the world. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. You got to hang on, though. Oh, when he said, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Isaiah 44, 6. You see it again and again and again, Isaiah 44, 45.5, 45.14, and, and verse 21. But the Bible says Satan is God of the world. So how do you, how do you put all that together? Well, it's not really very hard. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 7 and 33. Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians. Well, I guess we just got to give up those Zidonians because Ashtoreth is their god. Well, you must recognize Ashtoreth as the god of the Zidonians. Don't try to get to tell me that the Jehovah God is over the Zidonians. Ashtoreth is their god. Now, I'm getting a few more if you're good. Chemosh is the god of the Moabites. Just give up the Moabites. Right? Chemosh is their god. You don't need to go bothering those Moabites. Chemosh is their God. Did God make Chemosh the God of the Moabites? Did God make Ashereth the God of the Zidonians? Milcom, the God of Ammon, a.k.a. Moloch. Did God make Moloch God of Ammon? So we say, oh well, Jehovah, he's not God over the Moabites. 
They all belong to Chemosh. Listen to me. The only people Satan has got over are those in this world that refuse to receive the emancipation decree of Jesus Christ the King. They are a bunch of phonies. Ashtoreth is a phony God. Shemosh is a phony God. Almost as phony as Fauci. (laughs) It's getting warmed up in here. I thought maybe I could get away with a little. Maybe phonier. Satan is a phony God. He's a little G nothing. Just as Ashereth is no God at all, just as Chemosh is really no God at all, Satan is actually no God at all. This current conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of man, as soon as the Baptists started preaching the kingdom of God at hand, Satan dug in his heels and fought to take the kingdom by force and by violence. What it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And we read that verse, and we wonder, we scratch our heads and say, what in the world, how, how can that be? How can God's kingdom suffer violence, and how can anybody take the kingdom of God by force? They don't understand the kingdom of God. Have you ever read the parables of the kingdom? Have you found one of them that describes anything going on in heaven? Every kingdom parable describes God's activity on earth. Every single one of them. It's about what's going on right here. We are in a struggle between the kingdom of God and the king of darkness in this world right now. And it's because Satan refused to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the rightful heir. You ever notice how the devils wonder what Jesus was doing here prematurely? You ever notice that? Oh, yeah, you didn't catch that one either. Let me give you something. Yeah, Jesus casted out devils and a couple of them said, what are you doing here? Have you come to torment us before the time? You see, in the devil's mind, in that crowd's mind, it was time to move into Antichrist. It was time to move into the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecies concerning Little Horn. That's what the devil was expecting. The next thing on the playbook would be the rise of Little Horn. I don't have time to take you through it right now, but all the other stuff had been fulfilled. We're coming out of third kingdom into fourth kingdom. It was time for Little Horn to show up. But God said, no, put the pause on that. Time out. I'm going to send my son in. He's going to come in, and he's going to just whoop the devil and take everything away from him. And then he's going to plant his church that God the Father said, I bought with my blood. He put the church in there. And I'm going to make the church the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm going to set upon the church the spirit of my son, Jesus Christ the King. 
Did you know the word Christ means king? Jesus means savior. You know that? Jesus means savior. Christ means king. The anointed one. Every prophecy of the Old Testament that has anything to do with Christ or Mashiach has to do with him ruling. You know, all those prophecies that talk about Jesus coming in his first coming, they're all political. Every one of them. Isaiah 9, 6, he's going to come and do what? Take up the government on his shoulder. I mean, don't get me started on that because I'll take another hour. But that's what he came to do. You ever notice that every kingdom parable describes God's rule of action in the earth right now and not one describes any activity in heaven? Jesus took all the kingdoms of this world from Satan and sent us into the world to declare his terms of surrender to the conquering king. A whole lot of folks have taken to preaching the gospel like they're salesmen or something. They're pitching a product. The fact is we're soldiers we're not one time referred to in the Bible as salesmen. We're soldiers. And we're sent into this world as an occupying force. To occupy what Jesus conquered. And we are to spread the word. Surrender. This is your opportunity to surrender. Right now, if you will, you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Believing he rose again. Calling on his name, you'll be saved. Yes, Have you ever read, Save from what? The wrath that's coming. Save from the wrath to come. The wrath is coming. And we're sent out there to tell them, Jesus is the king right now. And I've been sent as an ambassador to give you a message. He whipped the devil. He freed you. And now you have a choice to make. You will willingly confess that Jesus is Lord, believing he rose again, and calling on his name. And if you do that, you'll be saved from the wrath that's coming. But if you don't do that, well, then you're going to drop to your knees, and your old tongue is going to start wagging around in your head, and you're going to say, Jesus is Lord, for the glory of God the Father. But it won't help you then. Right, you do it right now, or when you do it later, it won't help you. Jesus put his spirit in us, and his spirit moves through us and reproves the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus had a vision that out of our belly would flow rivers of living water. John chapter 7, 38, 39, the Holy Ghost comes in and parentheses says, hey, he's talking about me. Talking about the Holy Spirit in us, moving through us in the world. He's not here. His mission isn't to comfort you, although he comforts you in fulfillment of his mission. His mission isn't even to teach you or to guide you, even though he teaches us and guides us in the fulfillment of his mission. It's not his mission. If you, Father, you know, just take me home. We got it all taken care of. Just go home. I'll be comforted there. I go, I go to heaven, I know as I've known. These things are not the reason the Holy Ghost is given, even though these are things he does for us while he's here to accomplish what he was given to do. Here's what he was given to do. 
to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's why he's here. No ministry that does not deliver the reproof of God's word upon the conscience of these wicked and unreasonable people is a ministry that's guided by the Holy Ghost. Because if the Holy Ghost had a hold of them, they'd be reproving the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's what that crowd in Sacramento needs. It's some preachers who will send God's reproof upon their wicked, wicked ways and expose them in the light of God's word. And quit talking about, well, we got to lead with facts and bring the faith in later. No. We need to stop that nonsense and stand up like men of God and women of God and say, here's what the Bible says. Well, we don't believe the Bible. I know you don't. And here's what the Bible says about that. Well, I don't believe that. I know you don't. And here's what the Bible says about that. We've been scared away from preaching the book. They constructed this wicked muzzle upon the mouths of most of God's people. And they're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to look like they're a Christian or something. Well, bless God, you need to stand up and look just like a Christian or something. And speak God's word to these people. Christ gave real authority to his disciples and to his churches. Jesus illustrates the current situation. I'm going to wrap it up this way. In Luke chapter 19, 12 to 27, you've probably read that parable. And it's so perfect for what I'm getting across right now because Jesus represents himself as that nobleman who leaves to get a kingdom. You see, there's the kingdom that's coming, and then there's the kingdoms of the world that are right now. There's the rule of Christ that's coming, and there's the rule of Christ right now. Right now, Christ rules over the kingdoms of men. When he comes back, he's going to destroy all the kingdoms of men. You ever read Daniel? That stone comes down out of heaven, falls on the feet of that statue, and proceeds to pummel the whole thing to dust. The wind comes, blows it all away. He's going to wipe out the kingdoms of this world. He reigns and rules over them right now, but right now it's a matter of whosoever will. When he comes back with that kingdom he went away to get, it's kind of like, well, no more Mr. Nice Guy. It's kind of like that. No more choice. Done with you. And all the kingdoms of man will be destroyed. Jesus illustrates the current situation in that parable. That's where we are right now. Now listen to these particulars and then we're done. Notice Jesus illustrates himself or presents himself as that nobleman who gives to his servants his goods. Matthew 25 kind of says that in a very direct way. Uh, but it, it connects with Luke chapter 12. Same scenario. He's getting ready to leave, and before he leaves, he turns over his goods to his servants. So he gives his goods to his servants. Well, what are his goods? Well, he came to take away from Satan all these things, and he gives to us authority. I wish I had more time to develop that, but we, we won't take that time. But, uh, but he, he, he gave you real authority. 
He gave you power over devils. You have that power now. You have his spirit in you. That like actually means something. Surprisingly. You have real authority. You are a king and a priest unto God. Right now. Revelation 1, 5, and 6 says he hath made us kings and priests unto God. You're not waiting for that promotion. You're that now. You have real authority. But what happens in any home if a parent doesn't use the authority they've been given? That family just becomes a mess. We've been given real authority and we don't use it. We have authority to bind and loose. We have authority to command devils. We have authority, submitted to God, to resist the devil himself and compel him to flee. If the devil's in Sacramento, there's only one reason for it, and that is that God's people, perhaps even in this room, are not resisting him. We've got to stand up and resist this stuff. And that's an active word, by the way. That's not passive. You can't resist passively. You resist actively. So Jesus gave us his goods. He told us to occupy until he returns, to hold the territory. But then he says this, the citizens, his citizens. So he has his servants, and then he has his citizens. He owns all the kingdoms of the world. They're all his. Everybody is a citizen of God's rule over the earth. His citizens, they send word after him, and they're saying this, we will not have that man to reign over us. Have you ever read Psalm number two? And do you not know that according to the book of Acts, that's in fulfillment right now? We're living in the fulfillment of Psalm two. We are living in that time when the people of this earth are saying, we will not have that man, Jesus, to reign over us. We're not going to have it. And that's what you're seeing in Sacramento. We're not going to have you haters. When everything tells anybody with sense, they're the haters. But that's the rage. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed Christ. Anointed Christ saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We'll not have your Christian rules on us. Well, if we stand up and resist them, we can, uh, we can lay down the cords and bands. Amen. Amen. You will lay down his cords and bands, or you will lay under theirs. I'm going to say that one more time. You will lay upon them the cords and bands of a loving Savior who came and died for them on the cross of Calvary, who loves them, whose spirit gives liberty and freedom, who commands anybody that would rule that he must rule justly. 
in the fear of God. You can lay those bands and cords upon them, or I guarantee you, you will live under their bands and under their cords of wickedness, of evil. But it's in our power to turn this thing around. You are God's appointed judges. Let's stand together, please. Well, I say, Satan can't have California. No, I'm just not going to give it to him. I'm not going to yield it up. Yield it up. If, I, if I don't go, die and go to heaven and California has not yet turned back to God, then it won't, it, when I get there, I'm going to say, well, it wasn't my fault, Father. I didn't do it. I stood up against these rascals. I called them out. I told them what you have to say about them. And I can get started on that right now, too, and we'd have a lot of fun, but let's just, I think it's time to be done. But, uh, Hopefully you got hold of this thing. My dear friends, you don't need to be afraid. You just need to stand up and use the authority that God has invested in you and push back. Amen. Who do I turn this over to? All right, Brother Cranston, amen. Thank you for that message. Whose authority is going to control our state, our country, our lives, our communities? We have, through Christ, the power to resist and to overcome by the power of God. Lord, we come to you tonight. I thank you for this time. We look into your word. Thank you for the way it was laid out to us. Lord, you're a God of all power, but unfortunately, in too many cases, we've not accessed the power that's available to us on many levels. Right down to our own personal lives. Lord, I pray now that you would Speak to our hearts, or as we have this altar call, I pray you would help us just to come and to seek your help in securing the power that you have given to us through salvation, through your spirit, through the word. Lord, help us to be the salt and light that would begin the process of seeing this state, Lord, and even our nation, turn back to you. Heads are bowed as the piano plays. The altar's open tonight if the Lord has spoken to your heart.